Book Seven, Chapter Thirteen of the Female Quixote, Volume Two. This is the LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Mary Herndon Bell. The Female Quixote, Volume Two, by Charlotte Lennox, Book Seven, Chapter Thirteen in which our heroine's extravagance will be thought, perhaps, to be carried to an extravagant length. Madam, I had the honor to assure you this morning on the parade that the insinuations Mr. Selvin made use of to rob me of my superlative happiness of your esteem were entirely false and groundless. May the beams of your bright eyes never shine on me more if there is any truth in what he said to prejudice me with your ladyship. If I am permitted to attend you to the rooms this evening, I hope to convince you that it was absolutely impossible I could have been capable of such a crime. Who am, with the most profound respect, your ladyship's most devoted, etc., D. Tinsel. Well, madam, said Miss Glanville, when she had read this epistle, I fancy you need not pronounce a sentence of banishment upon poor Mr. Tinsel. He seems to be quite innocent of the offense your ladyship suspects him of. Why, really, returned Arabella, blushing with extreme confusion at this second disappointment, I am greatly perplexed to know how I ought to act on this occasion. I am much in the same situation with the Princess Serena, for you must know this princess. Here, Lucy entering, informed the ladies dinner was served. I shall defer until another opportunity, said Arabella, upon this interruption, the relation of the Princess Serena's adventures, which you will find, added she in a low voice, bears a very great resemblance to mine. Miss Glanville replied she would hear it whenever she pleased, and then followed Arabella to the dining-room. The cloth was scarcely removed when Mr. Selvin came in. Arabella blushed at his appearance and discovered so much perplexity in her behavior that Mr. Selvin was apprehensive he had not yet sufficiently justified himself, and therefore took the first opportunity to approach her. I shall think myself very unhappy, madam, said he, bowing, if the letter I did myself the honor to write you this morning— Sir, interrupted Arabella, I perceive you are going to forget the contents of that letter, and preparing again to offend me by a presumptuous declaration of love. Who? I, madam? replied he in great astonishment and confusion. I, I protest, though, though I have very great respect for your ladyship, yet, yet I never presumed to— You have presumed too much, replied Arabella, and I should forget what I owed to my own glory if I furnished you with any more occasions of offending me. No, then— I absolutely forbid you to appear before me again, at least till I am convinced you have changed your sentiments. Saying this, she rose from her seat, and making a sign to him not to follow her, which indeed he had no intention to do, she quitted the room, highly satisfied with her own conduct upon this occasion, which was exactly conformable to the laws of romance. Mr. Tinsel who had just alighted from his chair, 
having a glimpse of her as she passed to her own apartment, resolved, if possible, to procure a private interview, for he did not doubt but his billet had done wonders in his favor. For that purpose he ventured up to her antechamber, where he found Lucy waiting, whom he desired to acquaint her lady that he entreated a moment's speech with her. Lucy, after hesitating a moment and looking earnestly at him, replied, Sir, if you'll promise me faithfully you are not in love with my lady, I'll go and deliver your message. Deuce, take me, said Tinsel, if that is not a very whimsical condition, truly. Pray, my dear, how came it into thy little brain to suspect I was in love with your lady? But suppose I should be in love with her, what then? Why, then it's likely you would die, that's all, said Lucy, without my lady would be so kind to command you to live. I vow thou hast mighty pretty notions, child, said Tinsel, smiling. Hast thou been reading any playbook lately? But pray, dost think thy lady should have compassion on me if I was in love with her? Come, I know thou art in her confidence. Hast thou ever heard her talk of me? Does she not tell thee all her secrets? Here, Arabella's bell ringing, the bow slipped half a guinea into her hand, which Lucy, not willing to refuse, went immediately to her lady, to whom, with a trembling accent, she repeated Mr. Tinsel's request. Impudent girl, cried Arabella, for I am loath to suspect thee of disloyalty to thy mistress. Dost thou know the nature and extent of the request thou hast delivered? Art thou ignorant that the presumptuous man whom thou solicitest this favor for has mortally offended me? Indeed, madam, said Lucy, frightened out of her wits, I don't solicit for him. I scorn to do any such thing. I would not offend your ladyship for the world, for before I would deliver his message to her ladyship, I made him assure me that he was not in love with your ladyship. That was very wisely done indeed, replied Arabella, smiling. And do you believe he spoke the truth? Yes, indeed, I am sure of it, said Lucy eagerly. If your ladyship will but be pleased to see him, he is only in the next room. I dare promise. How? interrupted Arabella. What have you done? Have you brought him into my apartment, then? I protest this adventure is exactly like what befell the beautiful Statira, when by a stratagem of the same kind, Oroandates was introduced into her presence. Lucy, thou art another Barsena, I think, but I hope thy intentions are not less innocent than hers was. Indeed, madam, replied Lucy, excessively uneasy at her lady's words, I am very innocent. I am no Barsena, as your ladyship calls me. I dare answer for thee, said Arabella, smiling at the turn she gave to her words. Thou art no Barsena and I should wrong thee very much to compare thee with that wise princess, for thou art certainly one of the most simple wenches in the world. But, since thou hast gone so far, let me know what the unfortunate person desires of me, for since I am neither more rigid nor pretend to more virtue than Statira, I may do at least as much for him as that great queen did for Oroandates. He desires, madam, said Lucy, 
that your ladyship would be pleased to let him speak with you. Or, in his words, I suppose, replied Arabella, he humbly implored a moment's audience. I told your ladyship his very words indeed, madam, said Lucy. I tell thee, girl, thou art mistaken, said Arabella. "'Tis impossible he should sue for such a favour in terms like those. "'Therefore go back and let him know "'that I consent to grant him a short audience upon these conditions. First, provided he does not abuse my indulgence "'by offending me with any protestations of his passion. "'Secondly, that he engages to fulfil the injunctions "'I shall lay upon him, however cruel.' and terrible they may appear. Lastly, that his despair must not prompt him to any act of desperation against himself. Lucy, having received this message, quitted the room hastily, for fear she should forget it. Well, my pretty ambassadress, said Tinsel, when he saw her enter the antechamber, will your lady see me? No, sir, replied Lucy. No, interrupted Tinsel. That's kind of faith, after waiting so long. Pray, sir, said Lucy, don't put me out so. I shall forget what my lady ordered me to tell you. Oh, I beg your pardon, child, said Tinsel. Come, let me hear your message. Sir, said Lucy, adapting the solemnity of her lady's accent, my lady bade me say that she will grant no that she consents to grant you a short deance. Audience, you would say, child, said Tinsel. But how come you to tell me before she would not see me? I vow and protest, sir, said Lucy, you have put all my lady's words clean out of my head. I don't know what comes next. Oh, no matter, said Tinsel. You have told me enough. I'll wait upon her directly. Lucy, who saw him making towards the door, pressed between it and him, and having all her lady's whims in her head, supposed he was going to carry her away. Possessed with this thought, she screamed out, Help! Help! For heaven's sakes! My lady will be carried away! Arabella, hearing this exclamation of her woman's, echoed her screams, though with a voice infinitely more delicate. And seeing Tinsel, who confounded to the last degree at the cries of both the lady and her woman, had got into her chamber he knew not how. She gave herself over for lost, and fell back in her chair in a swoon, or something she took for a swoon, for she was persuaded it could happen no otherwise, since all ladies in the same circumstances are terrified into a fainting fit, and seldom recover till they are conveniently carried away, and when they awake, find themselves many miles off in the power of their ravisher. Arabella's other women, alarmed by her cries, came running into the room, and seeing Mr. Tensel there, and their lady in a swoon, concluded some very extraordinary accident had happened. "'What is your business here?' cried they all at a time. "'Is it you that has frighted her ladyship?' "'Devil take me!' said Tensel, amazed if I can tell what all this means. By this time, Sir Charles, Mr. Glanville, and his sister 
came running astonished upstairs. Arabella still continued motionless in her chair, her eyes closed, and her head reclined upon Lucy, who with her other women was endeavouring to recover her. Mr. Glanville eagerly ran to her assistance, while Sir Charles and his daughter as eagerly interrogated Mr. Tinsel, who stood motionless with surprise, concerning the cause of her disorder. Arabella, then first discovering some signs of life, half opened her eyes. "'Inhuman wretch!' cried she with a faint voice, supposing herself in the hands of her ravisher. "'Think not thy cruel violence shall procure thee what thy submissions could not obtain. And if, when thou hadst only my indifference to surmount, thou didst find it so difficult to overcome my resolution, now that by this unjust attempt thou hast added aversion to that indifference. Never hope for anything but the most bitter reproaches from me. Why, niece, said Sir Charles, approaching her, what's the matter? Look up, I beseech you. Nobody is attempting to do you any hurt. Here's none but friends about you. Arabella, raising her head at the sound of her uncle's voice, and casting a confused look on the persons about her, may i believe my senses am i rescued and in my own chamber to whose valour is my deliverance owing without doubt tis my cousin's but where is he let me assure him of my gratitude mr glanville who had retired to a window in a great confusion as soon as he heard her call for him came towards her and in a whisper begged her to be composed that she was in no danger. "'And pray, niece,' said Sir Charles, "'now you are a little recovered. Be so good to inform us of the cause of your fright. What has happened to occasion all this confusion?' "'How, sir?' said Arabella. "'Don't you know, then, what has happened?' "'Pray, how was I brought again into my chamber, and by what means was I rescued?' i protest said sir charles i don't know that you have been out of it alas replied arabella i perceive you are quite ignorant of what has befallen me nor am i able to give you any information all i can tell you is that alarmed by my women's cries in the sight of my ravisher who came into my chamber i fainted away and so facilitated his enterprise since doubtless it was very easy for him to carry me away while I remained in that senseless condition. How I was rescued, or by whom, one of my women can happily inform you, since it's possible one of them was also forced away with me. Oh, heavens! cried she, seeing Tinsel, who all this while stood gazing like one distracted. What makes that impious man in my presence? What am I to think of this? Am I really delivered, or no? What can this mean? cried Sir Charles, turning to Tinsel. Have you, sir, had any hand in frighting my niece? I, sir, said Tinsel, let me perish if ever I was so confounded in my life. The lady's brain is disordered, I believe. Mr. Glanville, who was convinced all this confusion, was caused by some of Arabella's usual whims, dreaded, lest an explanation would the more expose her, 
and therefore told his father that it would be best to retire and leave his cousin to the care of his sister and her women adding that she was not yet quite recovered and their presence did but discompose her then addressing himself to tinsel told him he would wait upon him downstairs arabella seeing them going away together and supposing they intended to dispute the possession of her with their swords called out to them to stay mr glanville however without minding her pressed mr tinsel to walk down nay pray sir said the beau let us go in again she may grow outrageous if we disoblige her outrageous sir said glanville do you suppose my cousin is mad upon my soul sir replied tinsel if she is not mad she is certainly a little out of her senses or so arabella having reiterated her commands for her lovers to return and finding they did not obey her ran to her chamber door where they were holding a surly sort of conference especially on glanville's side who was horribly out of humour i perceive by your looks said arabella to her cousin the design you are meditating but know that i absolutely forbid you by all the power i have over you not to engage in combat with my ravisher here madam interrupted glanville i beseech you do not i know said she you will object to me the examples of artemenes arances and many others who were so generous as to promise their rivals not to refuse them that satisfaction whenever they demanded it but consider you have not the same objections to mr tensel that artemenes had to the king of assyria or that arances had to for god's sake cousin said glanville what's all this to the purpose curse on arances and the king of assyria i say the astonishment of arabella at this intemperate speech of her cousin kept her for a moment immovable when sir charles who during this discourse had been collecting all the information he could from lucy concerning the perplexed affair came towards tinsel and giving him an angry look told him he should take it well if he forbore visiting any of his family for the future oh your most obedient servant sir said tinsel you expect i suppose i should be excessively chagrined at this prohibition but upon my soul i am greatly obliged to you agad i have not great mind to a halter and since this lady is so apt to think people have a design to ravish her the wisest thing a man can do is keep out of her way sir replied glanville who had followed him to the door i believe there has been some little mistake in what has happened to-day however i expect you'll take no unbecoming liberties with the character of lady bella oh sir said tinsel i give you my honour i shall always speak of the lady with the utmost profound veneration she is a most accomplished incomprehensible lady and the devil take me i think there is her fellow in the world and so sir i am your most obedient a word before you go said glanville stopping him no more of these sneers as you value that smooth face of yours or i'll despoil it of a nose oh your humble servant said the beau retiring in great confusion 
with something betwixt a smile and a grin upon his countenance, which he took care, however, Mr. Glanville should not see, who, as soon as he quitted him, went again to Arabella's apartment, in order to prevail upon his father and sister to leave her a little to herself, for he dreaded lest some more instance of her extravagance would put it into his father's head that she was really out of her senses. Well, sir, said Arabella upon his entrance, you have, I suppose, given your rival his liberty. I assure you this generosity is highly agreeable to me, and herein you imitate the noble Artemenes, who upon a like occasion acted as you have done. For when fortune had put the ravisher of Mandana in his power, and he became the vanquisher of his rival, who endeavoured by violence to possess that divine princess, this truly generous hero relinquished the right he had of disposing of his prisoner, and instead of sacrificing his life to his just and reasonable vengeance, he gave proof of his admirable virtue and clemency by dismissing him in safety as you have done. However, added she, I hope you have made him swear upon your sword that he will never make a second attempt upon my liberty. I perceive, pursued she, seeing Mr. Glanville continued silent, with his eyes bent on the ground, for indeed he was ashamed to look up, that you would willingly avoid the praise due to the heroic action you have just performed. Nay, I suppose you are resolved to keep it secret, if possible. Yet I must tell you that you will not escape the glory due to it. Glory is as necessary the result of a virtuous action as light is an effect of the sun which causeth it, and has no dependence on any other cause, since a virtuous action continues still the same, though it be done without testimony, and glory which is, as one may say, born with it, constantly attends it, though the action be not known. I protest, niece, said Sir Charles, that's very prettily said. In my opinion, sir, pursued Arabella, if anything can weaken the glory of a good action, it's the care a person takes to make it known, as if one did not do good for the sake of good, but for the praise that generally follows it. Those, then, that are governed by so interested a motive, ought to be considered as sordid rather than generous persons, who, making a kind of traffic between virtue and glory, barter just so much of the one for the other, and expect, like other merchants, to take advantage by the exchange. Mr. Glanville, who was charmed into an ecstasy at this sensible speech of Arabella's, forgot in an instant all her absurdities. He did not fail to express his admiration of her understanding in terms that brought a blush into her fair face, and obliged her to lay her commands upon him to cease his excessive commendations. Then making a sign to them to leave her alone, Mr. Glanville, who understood her, took his father and sister downstairs, leaving Arabella with her faithful Lucy whom she immediately commanded to give her a relation of what had happened to her from the time of her swooning till she recovered. End of Book 7, Chapter 13